Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is our Monmouth Park preview show. Racing at the Jersey Shore is back starting this weekend and uh, continuing on through the fall. Very, very excited to be covering Monmouth once again, to be getting down to Monmouth as well for a time or two. One of my favorite tracks in the country. Great vibes down there. And to preview uh, the meeting as a whole, we bring in from Monmouth Park, my pal and contest world legend, Brian Skirka. Brian, what's going on, man? Pete, it is uh, always good to be back. I've been listening to you guys all winter, and it's good uh, to be back in the fray and part of the show again. It's it's always fun down there on, on the shore. Give us sort of the overall parameters of the meet in terms of uh, start to finish, and, and then we'll get into some of the highlights that people should be circling on their calendars for this upcoming Monmouth season. Yep, it's a lot of the same. Um, we're starting a week later this year. Like you said, this Saturday is our opening day. Uh, we end a week or two earlier this year. But other than that, a lot of what you've been seeing lately, uh, the Mondays that we ran last year in August uh, will not be returning. So it's just a Saturday-Sunday schedule in May. And then once we get to June, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, our post times are slightly different. Uh, we've we've gone back a little bit. So we, weekends used to be 12.15 the last few years. Now they're going to be 12.40. So we're going to start a little bit later. Once we get to June, as I said, the Friday cards will still be the same. They start at 2 p.m. Uh, wagering menu is pretty much identical um, from, a, from a horse flesh standpoint. You know, I've been told we have more horses on the backside than we ever have, uh, which is good. There's actually a waiting list, uh, which I don't, I don't remember. Uh, at least in recent times, there being a waiting list. So we're anticipating, hopefully, uh, strong and full fields. Uh, there's a few new barns here that, that have not been here before, uh, uh, namely Shug McGahey. Uh, uh, he usually, um, you know, plenty for stakes races, but he, he'll have a stable. I think he has maybe 12, if I want to take a educated guess. Uh, he'll be stabled he'll, here full-time. Um, so it's, it should be, a, you know, a very positive and promising meet you know we, we've been I think we talk about this every year but you know going back five or six even maybe more than that years here at Monmouth you know we had the shorter fields and two to five shots winning uh, way more often than they should that 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 is you know that's gone so it's now just you know continuing year after year of trying to get the customers um, you know paying back attention to Monmouth and, and letting them know that hey you can you can play a double here and have it pay more than three dollars and eighty cents. You know th those those days are over. So uh, that is good. You know, we're looking forward to getting everybody's support. June second, will that be a Friday? I'm already circling on my calendar. Uh, maybe coming down. Is that that that'll be the first one? That's our first Friday, correct? Excellent. I love that. You know, my favorite thing. Uh, for for New York City-based people going down to Monmouth. It might not be the most efficient way to do it, but taking that Sea Streak ferry down on a Friday, it's just, it gives me those old-school summer vacation vibes. You know, you go right past the Statue of Liberty, you get there, um, you take your you take your Uber, you have lunch around there, take your Uber out to Monmouth, and, and you know, you can have a, just a, a wonderful, wonderful day out. With, and you've got the... Uh, 
the, the pizza and wine place with the music right there just off the property too. What's the name of that place? I want, I can't believe I'm spacing on it. Blue Grotto is the name of that restaurant. Yeah, so that's a lot of fun too. There's so much. It's just such a good day out and experience that people should be paying attention to. Let's talk contests. In your intro, I mentioned that you have you know quite a following in the contest world because you run such a good one. What are the key days for people um, to circle on the calendar as far as contests at Monmouth this year? Yep, so the big one is June 3rd. That's our $2,000 Pick Your Prize uh, Handicapping Challenge. Uh, that we, we describe as the, the best opportunity to qualify for the NHC all year. Uh, we, last year, we gave out 25 seats to the NHC uh, to 290 entries, which was a, by far a record. So I think last year was 25 NHC seats, seven BCBC seats, if I'm not mistaken, and a, and a bunch of cash. So we're, uh, you know, me, me and Jim Goodman have a little friendly rivalry going on. I think, <laughs> I think uh, his contest in April was 292. So now, uh, now I have to work a little extra harder to get to, uh, to, get to at least 293. I'm hoping for, for <laughs> 300 or more, but no, no matter what, it's got to be at least 293. Um, but Ju- June third is is the is the big one. I would I would circle that one on your calendars. Uh, we have a, a contest on Haskell Day, which I think is the third year that we've done it. That's a thousand dollar buy in. Uh, that one is more BCBC skewed. You know we're we're proud friends with the Breeders Cup always, but Haskell is a win in your in race, so we kind of took that opportunity. Uh, a win in your in race for the Classic, so we kind of took that opportunity to to partner with Breeders Cup for that contest and. I think last year that contest gave out seven BCBC seats and two NHC seats. So we're hopefully continuing to grow that one. And then we have two contests in August that we've expanded a little bit and trying to do something different. Um, just in the, in the post-COVID world that we're in, you know, I, I want to give more players an opportunity to play online. Um, so in previous years, our only August contest was Traverse Day, and you had to be here at Monmouth Park only to participate this year, I've, I've expanded to two contests. We have one the first Saturday in August, which is Whitney Day, and then still Traverse Day. Uh, and those are going to be hybrids. You, you could play on-site if you want or online. Um, there'll be Monmouth-Saratoga contests. So hopefully, uh, you know, we're, we're going to give a little incentive for the players on-site. You know, I, I certainely don't want to scare anyone away from playing on-site, and I want to give them kind of a, a bonus if they do play here, but certainly want to open it up to – let players play from anywhere if they so choose. I love that. What about pick your prize and Travers Day? Are those you have to be on site or are those hybrids as well? Nope, they're all uh, pick your prize is a hybrid. You can play from anywhere or here. Uh, Haskell Day, you can only play online. Just the logistics of Haskell Day. We don't we don't That's have right. the, the bandwidth to have a, a ton of people here. Uh, and then both of those August contests that I mentioned are hybrid. You could play from on site if you want or online. Who are your online partners for those? Presumably uh, the the local ADW, but does it go beyond that? Uh, it does. So so FanDuel is our is our partner here at Monmouth. You know they run four NJ bets for us, which currently is the only ADW allowed in New Jersey. So uh, FanDuel on a national level is a partner. Express Bet, and then for the first time this year, we're going to open it up to HPI, which is the Canadian uh, ADW. So. Some of our friends uh, in Canada will also be able to play starting this year. That's terrific. Now, the other contest that we're going to be partnering up on, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Tell us a bit about Haskell Preview Day in general and then uh, what we have in mind contest-wise. 
Yep, so it was extremely successful last year. Uh, it's the day before Father's Day, so J- Saturday, June 17th this year. This is the, the second year that we've been doing it, and we've kind of been following, you know, the, a lot of other tracks are doing it. So we, we took a shot last year, and basically every race on Haskell Day obviously has a prep race somewhere. We used to spread them out, and there would be one this Saturday and two this Saturday. And last year we said, let's all throw them on the same day. Uh, we kind of identified that day before Father's Day where nationally there's not a lot going on. Uh, it's after the Belmont Stakes. I think they moved the Summit of Speed. They moved the what's now the King's Plate. Um, so there's not really much at all nationally going on that Saturday. So we kind of circled that on the calendar, said let's make this a Mammoth Park Day and, and prep for all the big races on Haskell Day, not only the Haskell but the UN and some of the other undercard races. Uh, it was a big success last year. We had a, a great run in the – Salvatore Mile, where um, uh, Mind Control and and uh, ch- my what was I always forget the name sort of Charlie, the horse that uh, always ran second in my opinion. What was that horse's name? Doug O'Neill's horse, wasn't it Charlie? Yeah, Hot something? Rod Charlie. Hot Rod Charlie. Hot Rod Charlie. Yes, I can never under I can never remember the name of that horse. But you know, so that they they really threw down in the stretch of that race last year on, on Haskell Preview Day. So it was a great day for us. We're going to do it again this year. And like and like you said, we've added a a online um, feeder contest. So as I mentioned earlier, we, we have our $1,000 buy-in contest on Haskell Day. What we're going to do with you and our friends over at, at Horse Tourneys is have a, an online-only pick-your-prize feeder that day. I think the buy-in is going to be like a dollar. You know, so it's basically a, a free contest. Um, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's a dollar. Um, you know, you guys are going to do a, a live show during the contest. Um, you know, talking through the races and, and updating where we stand. And we're going to give out uh, the top five finishers are going to win a seat to the $1,000 buy-in Haskell contest. I think you've said the winner uh, might be given some money to donate to a, a charity of their choice, a horse charity of their choice. And it's just going to be a cool way. Like I said, it's, it's not going to be free, but it's basically going to be, I actually think it's going to be a dollar to buy in. But then at the end of the contest, they're going to refund your dollar. So in, in essence, it's going to be free. Um, just a way to get, you know, the Haskell preview day races in front of everybody and hopefully qualify a few people to our, our big contest and have some fun through your live stream. I love it. You know, we've had so much fun with our horse player happy hour events. I love the idea of expanding that. I'll be over in England. I, I may be in a maybe it's late enough. I can have changed out of the top hat and tails, but I, I may be uh, I may be appearing in that form. But it's, it's going to be a ton of fun and we want everybody to join. There'll be a lot more info about that. But I mean, hey, a free roll. To, to win uh, prizes into one of the some, some of the best qualifiers of the year. I mean this is this is going to be this is going to be terrific fun. One of the thing I wanted to ask you about is the return of fixed odds. I, I mean there, there's a lot of uh, rumors swirling about how that might be improved this time around and we're hoping to have uh, bet makers back in the fold as the season goes on. but right from opening day, w- will you once a- once again be able to bet Mammoth at Mammoth with fixed odds? Absolutely. Um, we are, you know, slowly but surely starting to expand, which is, which is good. You know, we, I think we all hope that it would kind of expand quicker than it has, but with regular regulations and, and different government groups that need to approve stuff, it always goes slower than normal, but that's fine. You know, it's a five to 10 year goal of getting it to spread throughout the country and everything, but um, we definitely are more expansive than we were last year. Last year, it was Mammoth only, on-site only, tellers only. 
So this year, starting opening day, you know, you'll still be able to bet Mammoth on site. Uh, there'll be tellers and self-service. So that's an addition. So in, instead of, you know, having to wait online at a teller, there'll be specific self-service uh, machines for fixed. So that'll, that'll make it a lot uh, easier and better and just another option on site. We also will be introducing an app very, very soon. Uh, maybe even by opening day, but that that should be days away. Uh, and there already are exactly fingers crossed. Uh, and then there already are more tracks that have signed on, so it won't just be Mammoth this year. You know, Delaware, Hawthorne, Canterbury, Emerald, um, just to name a few. So there there will be more races to bet. Um, so again, hopefully we're just you know that app can get up and running. We're a couple of weeks away from you know you, you still have to be in New Jersey to kind of be like what sports betting was in the beginning. Yeah. Um, you have to be in the state of New Jersey, but hopefully, you know, whether you're at Monmouth or on the app, you can not only bet Monmouth, but a few other tracks as well. That's terrific news. And that, that'll also change the way we can cover fixed odds. I'm thinking, you know, down the line, maybe a little stakes roundup kind of show in addition to all the coverage we want to be giving to the exciting stuff happening right there on the Jersey Shore at Monmouth. You mentioned about Shug McGahee having a regular string down on the shore. Curious to just pick your brain a little bit about other connections you're expecting to have a good meet. Maybe we'll go to the riding colony. Is it going to be similar to past years? Any Anybody new uh, turning up that we should have our eye on as horse players? What do you think? It's going to – I mean, Paco Lopez is here, so that you got to start and end there. I mean, he's won <laughs> 10 riding titles in a row. Uh, he is very, very hard to beat here. Um, you know, I, I would, I would certainly look for him to have a really big meet. Someone that I'm, I'm interested to in seeing how he does this year is Nick Juarez. Uh, he's ridden here, you know, at least the last five or six years, um, right after, you know, when he was a, an apprentice, he finished his apprenticeship extremely strongly. And then I think a year or two after that, he was right near the top of the, the rider standings. He's fallen off a little bit, uh, in recent years, but he's, he's coming off of a huge Oakland meet. He did really, right. really well at, at Oakland this winter. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he rides that momentum from Oakland and, and brings it here to Monmouth, where he has had plenty of success in the past. Uh, Jose Ferrer is another name that I think we talk about each year. And I just saw him at our, our opening day press conference um, the other day. And it's amazing. Like, I, I feel like I'm, you know, you know, we, we're all getting older and older as the years go by. And, and you can notice it. Jose Ferrer, I think, is I don't want to get myself in trouble. I think he's pushing 60 years old. And I mean, not only does he not look like, I, I like he could beat my ass in two seconds. I'm just going to say that he is one of the toughest, you know, it's tough to shake his hand because he's going to like rip your arm off. Um, you know, especially, especially on speed horses, you know, Ferrer is always dangerous here. Um, you know, we do have a couple new, I know Lane Luzzy is riding here for the first time. Um, we have a couple other new um, jocks that are here from a, from a trainer standpoint. You know, like I said, Shug is here. You know, he he has a, a relatively minimal stable, so he's we're, we're not expecting him to challenge for leading trainer. But Claudio Gonzalez was leading trainer last year. Uh, Kelly Breen is back with with uh, a bunch of perennial. horses. He's a perennial leading trainer here. Uh, and then you know, for the stakes races, obviously Chad and Todd and and Shug, as we said, will be here. But it, it should be a good mix between you know the local guys that that you've come to know and love at Monmouth Park. And then our, our stakes schedule, a lot of the stakes races, um, the purses have gone up for those. So we'll hopefully get uh, some shippers. I know Brad Cox has at least one, maybe two uh, in the Long Branch on Saturday, our, our opening day stakes. He's been a, been a big supporter of Monmouth Park stakes. He's won the Haskell the last 
uh, two years, if I'm not mistaken. So should be a good mix of the local Monmouth Park crew for the you know everyday races and then some ship-ins for the stakes. We'll talk specifically about the Saturday card in the next segment on the show with Nick Tamaro, who's going to be dropping by. What about your broadcast product, race calling, all that fun stuff? What what can we who can we look forward to seeing and hearing on the simulcast airwaves? Well, the one thing we did lose in uh, in a big way is the pizza knowledge from our track announcer. <laughs> uh, that, that 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 is our biggest drop off of the year. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure Chris Griffin's pizza knowledge, but I'm sure it can't match what Frank's was. No, his, that was so the, the, the sure. yeah, that, that, that's probably our biggest loss this year. I mean, you know, Chris is great. You know, I, I love Chris and everyone knows Chris from, you know, aqueduct over the winter and parks, et cetera, in the past. And so Chris is, Chris Griffin is our new track announcer. Uh, great guy with a great sense of humor, so I'm, I'm sure um, I'm fine to dig at him a little bit. But the, the biggest loss of the season, as I said, is the ability to call the announcer's booth now and say, hey, I got some friends in town. Where should I take them for pizza? <laughs> Frank should leave a cheat sheet in the, in the booth for Chris for that exact uh, eventuality. <laughs> Knowing Frank, there, there's at least a 50% chance that that actually happened. <laughs> uh, we, we might have to we might have to find that uh, it's like finding the soup Nazis recipes like we'll, we'll have to go up there find it and then we could sell that sheet for a million dollars um, but no so so Chris, Chris will be calling the races we're extremely lucky to have him and, and can't wait for him to you know he, he's been our our first half of the year announcer the past few years when Frank has been in California so it's great to have him on full time now and he's excited we're excited so so that will be great we do have a new on-air uh, handicapper to work along with Brad Thomas, who has been here forever. Uh, Crystal Conning is a, a retired jockey, um, which makes her sound a little bit older than she actually, you know, she's, she's young. Um, but she, she did just retire from riding. I think she rode the winter at Turf Paradise. Uh, she's done some riding and some, some on-air stuff at Canterbury in the past. So we're super excited to have her. Um, you know, really seems really knowledgeable from the, the stuff that, that I've seen her do in the past. So between her and Brad and Chris, they're going to kind of tag team all the handicapping that we have. Uh, FanDuel will be here every day as they have in the past. I know Larry Colmus is going to be their, their main person. I think uh, rumor has it, I think our boy uh, Matt Bernier might make a few appearances over the course of the, the season for FanDuel. So both, uh, you know, we're obviously all all big fans of Matt. So from a Monmouth Park side, a Fandle side, and and in the money media side, I think that's a that's a good thing for everybody. That's great. I'm excited. You know, presumably we'll be seeing some fixed odds coverage on the feed too. Maybe I can even crash when I'm down there and uh, help out a little bit. It's uh, you know, you guys do it's just a consistently excellent product. I will put put in a plug for one, not not the only. Frank has half a dozen recommendations, but. The one that I was like totally blown away by because it was so different than anywhere I'd been for pizza. And I really liked it. Federici's. Have you ever done Federici's? I forget exactly where it is. It's like a 20 minute drive, but it was well worth it for the pizza. Yes. Yeah. I, I believe that's in Freehold. But yes, yeah, we've all been uh, either been dragged to or a willing, uh, a willing. <laughs> Uh, person to tag along with Frank. So, some, sometimes he, he does these offers, and other times it's like, drop what you're doing, you're coming with us. So, <laughs> I think, yes, mo most of those places in the in the near vicinity we've all been to, and they're all very good. Kidnapped for pizza. I love, and I do love Blue Grotto right there. <laughs> it's, 
it's a, the, 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 that that's some super fun vibes and you don't have to go you don't have to move your car which is which is wonderful all right brian this is great stuff we've got nick in the green room getting ready to talk specifically about these races but you know we'll have you back anytime there's anything you know uh, new to, to talk about or stuff to underline. We'd love to be able to rely on you. And we'll, next time we'll make you look at some form and do some races with us because we know you've got that club in your bag as well. Deal. Ha happy to do it. And like I said, glad to be back on uh, your show and uh, part of the In The Money Media Network again. And we're uh, looking forward to a great meet. So thanks for all you do for us, but for the industry as a whole. Uh, cheers, my man. We'll be talking soon. Next up on the show to do a little bit more previewing of the Monmouth meet as a whole and to dive into some of the specifics of the races on opening day, we welcome back a man we had on a whole lot from Monmouth last year. You know his work from InTheMoneyPodcast.com and behind the mic at Sam Houston. He's Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's going on? Doing great, Pete. Ready to get another Monmouth season started. Pretty exciting time of year with uh, summer getting close and the Triple Crown and Monmouth feels like we're there. I love Monmouth. I, I'm hoping you have a chance to get up there for one of the big days this year. I got to see you there once uh, last year. What, what is your what's your prognosis for making an appearance? Yeah, I think Haskell almost certainly, and uh, hopefully uh, maybe one one other time in addition. That's great. Yeah, I love the. We were talking about it with Brian. Love those. Uh, love the love those Friday the Friday boat trip down to enjoy the weekend of of, of racing at Monmouth. You don't have that option coming from Texas, but it it uh, it It'd is be a slow boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take a minute the let's talk generally about the meet first i had a few just sort of horse player questions for you before i get into the more just obvious ones about connections you might be on the lookout for brian was talking about how so many of the big stakes races have these big names from out of town coming in your brad cox's your chad brown's your your todd pletcher's is it your inclination to trust these you know super barns when they come in or are they all do they always catch so much money that you look to oppose them generally or is it more of a case-by-case -case basis i mean i think as a rule i i try to handle things more on a case-by-case -case basis than anything else rather than say you know i'm categorically doing this or that um you know what you're going to see pretty consistently at monmouth is is these guys come down for some of the bigger races and you know nobody earned more purse money in 2022 at Monmouth and Chad Brown, he, he was the leading trainer by purse money by over $750,000. That had a lot to do with a big Haskell day. Um, but at the same time, you know, he had 114 fewer starters than Claudio Gonzalez, who was second. Todd Pletcher yeah. earned over a million dollars in purses. And so, you know, these guys are coming down for the bigger money races. I don't think that, uh, and the other thing that we've noticed too, is that Chad will debut a horse at Monmouth on the turf, especially, um, without any real concern. So he'll he'll happily put a horse in uh, in a maiden special weight race at Monmouth that, you know, maybe is a little bit lesser than what he thinks in New York. And sometimes they're not. You know, I remember he debuted a horse named Duopoly in 2020, um, which obviously was a different kind of year because of COVID. And six months later, she won the American Oaks. So, you know, she was a she was a solid horse that uh, that he was willing to send over to Monmouth. He's got a pretty active string there. We saw him win with quite a few horses at Saratoga last year that had been training at Monmouth. So that's right. not a negative either. But yeah, I think as a as a rule, I'm going to take their stakes horses a little bit more seriously. That's interesting. Um, what about on the riding side? You know, Paco Lopez dominates in so many ways and always catches a lot of money. Is it worth paying the tax with a rider like uh, Paco at Monmouth? 
Yeah, I mean, 46 more wins than anybody else last year. He's just going to kill them with volume. And, you know, it's one of those situations which we saw for years and years in New Jersey with Joe Bravo, where, you know, if you're you're reaching out to Paco, if you are not one of his regular clients, because you think you've got a horse that's going to win. And his his agent is only taking, quote unquote, blue chip mounts yeah. and mounts on horses that are going to be likely favorites, likely winners, because um, he's obviously trying to win as many, you know, they're obviously trying to win as many races as possible. A rider that that won a lot of races last year that's not in the colony is Isaac Castillo. He had an injury in the middle of last year that derailed his meet a little bit, but he was off to a very, very good start earlier in the meet. There aren't a lot of newcomers. Uh, one newcomer actually is Lane Luzzi, who's Mike Luzzi's son. He had been riding down here in Texas for the uh, last five years or so, and uh, he, he moved his tack to New Jersey. Doesn't have a ton of mounts on opening day, but he has an agent that he shares with Matty Rowland, who uh, I think will will end up getting him on some live horses throughout the meet. So, you know, paying the Paco tax, occasionally there are going to be situations where you just default to him because he might be the difference in putting some of these horses over the top. He rides the turf very well. So does Jairo Rendon. So I wouldn't sleep on him in terms of riding live turf horses. There are a lot of competent jockeys in this colony, though. Jorge Vargas is going to ride there a lot. Hector Diaz, you're going to see Sammy Camacho. Um, even Jose Ferrer at his advanced age is going to be on plenty of live horses that you wouldn't do, you wouldn't downgrade because he's on there. What about on the trainer side? Do you have, from a betting point of view, pet trainers at Monmouth that you always give a little bit of extra credit to that might be not so much in the mainstream? Uh, you know, guy that had a good good meet last year and and largely, you know, didn't I, I don't want to say went under the radar, but Juan Avila. Um, helping out with the fixed odds market. I know that the uh, the Avila connections kind of stung us a little bit a few times with live horses. So Juan Avila is very good with firsters. When we see more two-year-olds come up, he'll have some horses that are that are going to be in the mix there. Um, I thought Jerry Hollendorfer had a good meet last year. I don't know exactly what volume of horses he's bringing back. I think his stable might be gradually downsizing a little bit as far as what he has outside of California. Um, now that he can be a little more active over there. So he's one to keep an eye on. The other names you're going to see a lot, Jose Delgado, uh, obviously Kelly Breen, Claudio Gonzalez. Claudio's going to have more of the cheaper horses, a lot of claimers. But uh, And then you'll see some of the Parks guys come over. So, you know, keep an eye on Jamie Ness and Scott Lake. Um, you're going to get have a lot of Jersey mainstays that we've seen for years, like the Nuns and, uh, and Chuck Spina, Greg Sacco, Pat McBurney, you know, these are all guys that had double digit win percentages last year. Jorge Duarte Jr. is going to have, uh, he'll be well represented. And then the other guy who's got just a gaudy record at Monmouth over the last five years is Jonathan Thomas. So he's a guy that you're going to want to keep an eye on. He didn't have nearly as many starters at Monmouth last year as he had in years past. And his stable is definitely getting bigger, but it's going to be important. I think to, to keep an eye on anything he starts over there because, uh, they're usually pretty well meant. Love the sound of that all. How about the Jersey bread races specifically? Are there any particular angles that you found in them? People who specialize or breeding angles or anything in the in, in those? Or, or is it once again, just, you know, play it like it looks on paper? You know, the challenge with those, Pete, especially early in the meet, is that the majority of the horses in those races are coming off of layoffs. And so right. you're going to have to really try and decipher a bit of the layoff form and, and I do think that's where a tool like a DRF formulator comes in so handy um, because you're going to be able to use some of the, the statistics that have been compiled with specific layoff horses and trainers that, that maybe specialize with fresh horses. So I would, 
I would really stay on top of that. I think that's that's very, very important. Um, you're also going to see in situations, and I think there's a race that we're going to look at uh, here on opening day, that um, you're going to have horses that are fresh. You're going to have horses that aren't. And the ones that have been running, I do think this is mainly anecdotal. I don't have any hardcore data to back it up. The horses that have been active have an advantage, right? If they've been running at golf streams, they've been running at parks, especially if they've been competitive with open company. The Jersey breads are a little bit lesser. You know, are we talking about if you're primarily Mammoth players are going to be Northeast type players. They're going to have spent a lot of time looking at New York bread races and things like that. Jersey breads don't dip into open company with the level of success that New York breads do. So give any horse that's coming out of an open company race where they performed well, a big upgrade. No, I think that's a, that's terrific advice that also matches my experience. Before we get into the specifics of Saturday, one more question about bias. I feel like historically, uh, Mammoth has been speed, speed, and more speed. But I'm not sure that was as much the case last year on the dirt. It seemed like the, the track, on some days anyway, had more of that modern track profile that we saw as recently as a Kentucky Derby Day, where maybe you didn't want to be down on the rail. You didn't want to be five or six wide, you wanted to sort of be in that, those, you wanted to be forward and you wanted to be paths, you know, uh, two and a half to, to, to five or whatever it was. What would you say the prevailing bias is at Monmouth, if any? I mean, prevailing, I would say dead rail. Uh, I, I think that that's largely been the case. And you, you allude to the idea that, you know, modern track maintenance might be to deaden the inside um, you know, we've, we, I, the, that's happened quite a bit more in the last 15 years or so. I kind of look at it as the post eight bells era, um, where track maintenance changed and tracks largely slowed down. You know, your, your father's mammoth. I know my father's mammoth because he, when, when he and I would talk about mammoth in the late nineties, when we started betting more simulcast races, he told me it is the most speed favoring track you're going to find. Yeah. And, and it was. For the most part, I mean, Mammoth was very, very speed favoring. There was a lot of, you know, Chuck Lopez put him on the lead and rock him to sleep, and you were just never going to get close. So, you know, I try to take the most objective approach to biases as possible and only label a track biased if it really slaps you in the face. But you're going to notice that if you see horses making bids up the inside and flattening out, it's uh, it's likely due to the fact that the the modern Mammoth main track is a little bit kinder to a horses that are a little bit off the rail, the turf, the only thing I noticed in a, you know, in a prevailing kind of way, they push their rail out quite a bit. So when we get to 36 feet or so, it's tough to go around the outside and make a, a big prolonged wide move. They have additional rail settings that came into play after the Breeders Cup when they widened their turf course. So I think they do zero, 12, 24 and 36. So you'll see some weekends where they're, they're all the way out there and uh, those will be a little tougher. Um, otherwise the turf sprints are very speed favoring the ones that come out of that dog leg shoot in the back stretch. So you're going to want forwardly placed horses in there, but isn't that the case with most turf sprints? I don't really know that that could be labeled a bias. Yeah. And same thing with the rail, typically speaking in racing, the farther out the rail is the more favoring it's going to be to, to, to speed horses. Wouldn't you say? I would say so. And, and, you know, I think, I think a lot of it has to do in addition to fresh ground, you know, the horses are, if you're, you're at 36, then you go to 12 you got horses making moves around the outside. They're almost running in the path that you were in last. So, you know, you want, you want horses running on fresh grass. So just keep an eye on that. I, I don't, I don't remember exactly where the rail is for this opening weekend card, because luckily it looks like we're gonna have decent weather. And I don't think they had a turf race at Monmouth last year, almost until June with, uh, with all the rain that they had. So 
the rail is going to be actually it's not listed on the overnight. So I'm assuming it's at zero and, and they'll start there and go from there. All right. Let's talk about these races. We're going to dive into uh, three specifically, starting with a Jersey bread race for Phillies and mares allowance types. We're going to be going six furlongs here for Mammoth six race. This is a post time of 304. Remember what Brian told us earlier, post times a little bit later this year, not the 1215, 1240 is first post. This race we're talking about 304 and we've got, uh, we've got a nice looking full field in this spot. Nick, was there a horse in particular you wanted to highlight or was it more just an interesting competitive race? Well, so this was going to be part of our Jersey bread conversation because you've got a couple of Jersey breads in here that do have recent form. Girl Trouble is going to be an overwhelming favorite. Um, I mean, I can I can say that in the uh, fixed odds market, this filly is is a uh, going to be a pretty short priced favorite. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I'm going to find it as we talk because she's coming out of nothing but stakes races. And she's yeah. been competitive against open company stakes foes. I mean, she won the Parks Futurity back in January. So um, that's a, you know, a pretty pretty clear indication that she's a horse with a lot of ability. And I think these are, these are kind of the situations that you're going to run into. Yeah. She's priced down to four to five in the uh, fixed odds market. I think in the uh, morning line, she's probably, probably somewhere along that line too. Um, but then you also have a horse like proud mule, who's not nearly as fast on paper, but does have a lot of speed has been running against open company. And she is, she's really the only foe for girl trouble, but Otherwise, you know, if you take a you take a horse like Girl Trouble out of this race, what you're going to be looking at are a number of horses that are going to, to be coming off of layoffs. Either they're going to be coming off of layoffs or they're going to be coming out of much cheaper races. So these are the kind of spots where with the Jersey Breads, you're going to have to do your homework on who's good off layoffs, you know, which kind of horses have run well fresh in the past and those kind of things. But as far as the uh, late pick five goes, this feels like a pretty safe spot to get bullish with uh, with Girl Trouble who might just gallop home at two dollars and sixty cents or so yeah three to five last time against stakes and that you know at least according to the timeform us algorithm that's a day that said they favored closers i'm guessing that typically correlates with the rail not being good which is where girl trouble was making her run so somebody might say why do i want a horse who was just sixth beaten 15 coming back well the drop in class potentially getting off the rail here and, and maybe having that excuse for last time um, as well as a sharpness advantage against some of the others. I, I definitely am, am hearing what you're saying there. Do you think with proud mule, you know, we talked about the rail, not necessarily being great. Is she fast enough in here that she might be able to, to get forward and get off the rail quickly? I mean, is she a reasonable alternative or is she one to, to potentially be against actively for you? I mean, you and I are time form US users. And if you are, then you're going to upgrade this filly because she's coming out of a race that uh, the pace was exceptionally fast. She did all the running early. Now it makes it clear in the comment line, she caved in late, right? She didn't, she didn't exactly stick around, but that was her first start off a little bit of a layoff. I'm sure that, uh, that Jerry Hollendorfer had an eye on Mammoth for a second off the layoff type spot. And, uh, I think she's one that you might want to upgrade a little bit there. Now, time from us does indicate they do think this pace could end up being pretty fast, especially with Sadie baby in there to uh, force things along a little bit, busting down doors and Epic queen also with plenty of early speed. I think proud mule is clearly the alternative to girl trouble, but I do expect girl trouble to win. Let's move to the opening day feature. We've got the long branch stakes, which is winning you're in for the Haskell. We're going a mile and 70 here for these three-year-olds with 100,000 in the pot and uh, some 
familiar names turning up here. Maybe uh, Slip Mahoney being the most familiar of the bunch uh, based on conversations we've had this winter on these airwaves. Who do you like to get to the winner's circle here? Is it too late on my derby future on Slip Mahoney? <laughs> I think yes. you can I just admitted that. <laughs> I, I just admitted that. Um, so Slip Mahoney is cross-centered in the Peter Pan. And, oh, okay. and I don't know where to go. Um, I, I think there's one other horse in here who's cross-centered to Peter Pan. No, what there is is there, there are two other horses in here that are both with Paco named, both for Butch Reed. So that could end up being a jockey change. Uh, one thing that Mammoth allows is for a trainer to name the same rider on two horses and then change it uh, at, at scratch time. Um, I, I would guess that if Brad entered Slip Mahoney on Tuesday at Mammoth and Wednesday at Belmont, he's probably wanting to go to Belmont. You wouldn't re-enter if you were planning on going here. I do know that Al Gold is uh, is a Jersey resident, so he might you know want to have more of a home game. Um, either way, I mean, he looks like a major player in here if he ends up going here. This is just a, a pretty substantial class drop. This is a horse whose speed seems to have evaporated in his last two starts, and it's gotten him into significantly more trouble. He broke poorly two starts ago in the Gotham. Didn't break poorly in the wood, but got into some early uh, traffic-related issues stuck in there behind Lord Miles and, and everybody else. So I do think in a race with a, you know, pretty, at least a solid early pace, he's helped by that. Hey, strike to me is the horse that you want to bet because you might just be able to get a decent enough price here. If he escapes the attention, I know the bluegrass form really did not hold up last week in Kentucky very well, but this is a LASIK situation, right? I mean, this is a horse who uh, I, I discussed this race when you were out uh, boozing it up at Cheltenham with Cali Francois the race that he ran two starts back in the private terms. And I, I mentioned to her that this horse getting Lasix for the first time was probably a big deal. And I mean, boom, he ran the best race of his life by a mile. So yep. he gets Lasix back on. They allow Lasix in stakes races at Monmouth, I think other than the graded ones. Um, so, or actually I think other than the Haskell. So um, yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a big upgrade for that reason. The other thing was that in that private terms, he had significantly more positional speed. They didn't go exactly very fast in there, but they didn't crawl. So he's the horse that I'd be looking forward to betting. And uh, we'll see which one of these two Butch Reeds go. 90% Maddie is probably the better of the two coming in off that good effort in the Federico Tessio behind Perform, who is uh, actually being supplemented to the Preakness. Which, yeah, uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say that's a form line to pay pay attention to what this horse does to see. I mean, I feel like I, when was the last time a Tessio winner even hit the board in the Preakness? But it's it's certainly interesting that they're reaching in the supplement. Magic Wiesner would be my inclination. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's I a think great he was a he was a Tessio winner. My father and I hit a huge superfecta one time in the Tessio with uh, with two horses that I liked that were that were long shots from off the pace, and the race totally fell apart. That had to be like two thousand one or two. It was a long time ago, and that was right around when uh, when it, when it last happened. So yeah, the Tessio's not been the uh, you know the, the productive race in terms of the Preakness success that it had been in the past. But ninety percent Maddie has that that variable that always travels, which is speed. Um, so I would say, yeah, that's, that's a horse worth keeping a, a little bit of an eye on as well. Yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely see that. Any thoughts on any of these others interesting either for today or for a pointer to, to something else, or shall we, uh, shall we move it along? Yeah, I think we could move it along. I mean, post scratch, you want to see how much speed remains. That might be one of the things that keeps Slip Mahoney in this race, as opposed to the, uh, 
to the uh, Peter Pan. The other thing is that, I mean, Brad, Brad Cox has another horse in the Peter Pan. He has Bishop's Bay in that field as well. So he is one that is uh, not terribly fond of running his horses against each other, only in situations where they kind of have to, and they don't have to in the Peter Pan. So he might've been looking for a little insurance for Slip Mahoney. That's a very interesting point. And I think you also made the key point that, you know, connections wise, them, you know, gold wanting to run at Monmouth make just it makes it be a, be an easy sell. I think if they if they do decide that's the way to go, we'll know a lot more as we get uh, as we get closer. Nice looking race here, race number nine. I wanted to talk to you about. We got a full field for these fillies and mares in the allowance ranks, going a mile and a sixteenth on the turf, and uh, you know looks of uh, it looks pretty uh, competitive at at first blush. What's your thought on this one? You have a particular lean. Yeah, the interesting thing here is that the, the balance of power is kind of shifted towards the outside. And, you know, it's it's a matter of how comfortable you are betting you know, tens, tens and 11s in turf routes at Monmouth. So um, the just wonderfully named now use can't leave looks like the horse to beat on paper coming in off that good second. But, you know, one of the things we saw over uh, opening week at Churchill Downs, at least, and, and I saw this quite a bit at, at uh, Keeneland, the fairground turf form didn't hold up at all. And one of the horses that did actually win is the horse who beat this mare last time out, but she came back and won on the dirt. So, you know, the, the tur there was just a limited amount of turf racing. And I think that it it thinned out the herd in terms of, of who had good turf horses. And honestly, I think by the time March rolled around, if you had a decent turf horse, the thought was let's just wait for Kentucky. So this is a, a horse that, I would say she's the horse to beat. I think she's a bit of a vulnerable favorite, second off a layoff. I like the job that Kelly Rubley does. Then you've got some Gulfstream horses coming in with solid enough form like Z First and um, really a little bit more so than that, Coconut Beach, who ran in, in a relatively solid race against some hard-knocking starter allowance types at Gulfstream in her last start. So, yeah, it's a super competitive race. I mean, you're going to get enough pace to set up a horse like Kitten's Collusion, who uh, was one of the, the more unjustly disqualified horses you're ever going to see two starts back at Monmouth. I still found a way to miss the Mid-Atlantic pick four that day, even being the beneficiary of the disqualification. Um, and so, you know, you've got a few others like Arrow Blue, who finally put it together, um, well-bred horse that that ended up changing hands and is with Ken Sweezy. Ken Sweezy's a guy who quietly had a good run at Monmouth last year as well. I think his stable's getting a little bit bigger. And then you have this wild speed horse, Katie's a lady who I guess Jose Gomez is going to primarily ride in Jersey, which is a good move for him now that he doesn't have his bug anymore. And she might be able to just blitz this field on the front end. I mean, you don't see, I know it was kind of, a, of an insane runoff situation. She had a 180 early pace figure last time out. I mean, that is like, that's rabbit territory. So, I mean, if Jose is, uh, and with all due respect to Antonio Gallardo, if Jose is able to get her to relax at all on the front end, I mean, this might be kissing goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's playing that, uh, you know, if it's playing that way early in the in, in the meet to, to speed on this turf course. I know the, the the conditions don't work out in terms of what they both want to do, but I, I, I do want to somehow see funny how against now you can't leave in a match race or at least in the same race at some point so we can put the good fellas form up against the uh, Bronx tail form. And there was uh, who was running recently too was uh, uh, Barzini. There's, there's been a, <laughs> Let's get the Godfather in there as well. <laughs> and actually, I I noticed that uh, when we were at uh, Taylor Made with our our now mutual friend Philip Shelton, the Jonathan Green DJ Stables has a horse that is by Uncle Mo, who is brilliantly named Mo Green. 
if we could get if we get Mo Green, Funny How, and now you can't leave in the same gate. I mean, that is the problem. Is I mean, and I, I I'll probably be I'll probably be ridiculed for this, but in in my in the modern group of announcers, like that's made for Tom Durkin, right? Yes, I mean, that yes. was Tom was the guy that that had the shtick to make that work. I, mean, I remember when Barzini wired a race it at Aqueduct, and they were coming to the wire, and he said it was Barzini all along. <laughs> You know, and only Tom's going to deliver a line like that, right? Oh, that's classic. That is totally classic. I, 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 I pray that Mo Green somehow makes it to Sam Houston so that I can just say, you don't come to a place like Houston and mess with Mo Green. Have we had any Sopranos-themed horse names? We must have, but none of them are popping to mind. That that would leap with the uh, – that, that, that would go it in. Was is junior when Uncle okay. Mo got popular. And Jonathan always wanted to buy an Uncle Mo and name him Uncle June. So <laughs> that would be, would be phenomenal. But yeah, I want to say, I think there was a horse that ran years and years ago. I called her named Tony Soprano. Okay. But I mean, that was, that was when the show was still going on, but yeah, no, we, 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 we need more of that. Yeah. There's, there, there, there's some good ones beyond pie. Oh my, that we can get, uh, we can get oh, yeah. and, and what an appropriate tangent to go on for the Monmouth, uh, for the Monmouth show. Right. I mean, that they're, Jersey, they're... Uh, Jersey special, right? <laughs> exactly. Good, good stuff. All right, Nick, appreciate your thoughts on this card. You're going to be a regular here talking about uh, Monmouth, talking fixed odds, talking about all the stuff you do. Might Maybe have you do double duty this weekend and have you back talking a little Naira with me tomorrow for the big uh, big stakes races there. We'll talk about – we'll do that production meeting outside the show. But uh, that's going to conclude our Monmouth uh, special to give you some information to arm you for the season here and some specific thoughts about this opening day card. Well, thank you, Nick, one more time. We'll thank Brian Skirka as well. And just our friends at Mama Park, they have supported us from the beginning. I think they were the third sponsor we ever had but behind our founding partners of Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and 10 Strike Racing was Mama Park. And I'm really looking forward to journeys down there. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, the viewers, for making these shows so much fun to do and for uh, pushing our YouTube numbers up into the stratosphere this derby season. Really appreciate that. Make sure you check out our podcast, too, wherever you get your shows, In The Money Media or InTheMoneyPodcast.com. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos.